Okay, for our next message, it will be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, Born Again, Translated, Resurrected. Good afternoon, everyone. There are three subjects up here, and I don't plan to cover all of them. When I first uh, decided on uh, the message for this uh, afternoon, I just really couldn't decide. And so I put down three topics. Each one would probably take about 40 minutes apiece. And if I have time, you know, I may cover it. But I'm going to cover the first one, born again. You know, once upon a time, we were born. We were babies. We were helpless. And we just, some of us came into the world crying. Some of us came into the world quietly. But our mothers carried us until that day. And so after that, you know, they cared for us, saw to our needs, comforted, comforted us. And, you know, birth is just a natural physical thing. And I hear it's kind of painful, to say the least. In John chapter 3 and verse 3 through 4, it says, Nicodemus, um, he was asking Christ this question, how can a man be born when he is old? Up in verse uh, 3, now, verse 2, Nicodemus, he was a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night, that is, kind of in secret, so no one would uh, see him meeting. And he said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, which is truly, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We know that in Matthew 4, 4, it says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In Matthew chapter 19, I departed a little bit from just putting my scriptures on a sheet of paper. And so I have uh, tabbed everything, so I'm going to <laughs> do a lot of walking today, so it may take me a little bit of time to uh, get to where I want to. But in Matthew 19, and in verse uh, 16, it says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why call you me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if you will enter into life, it says, keep the commandments. Why is the world filled with pain, dying, death, violence, suffering? When, you, when it boils down to is that there is no fear of God. There is no keeping of many of the commandments that he has given for us. And man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In Revelation 
11 now. Verse 15. We read where the uh, seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So we see that there is a time coming when there will be a literal, visible kingdom that is going to come to this earth. You know, most people think, well, we're going to go to heaven. We're going to be up there. But the kingdom is going to be here on the earth. And the reason we say that is because in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. And in the days of these kings, talking about the, the future kingdoms that are going to rise, and in in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Now over to Daniel 7. And it says, But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. So we see uh, the ultimate destiny of our calling, the ultimate destiny of man, of everyone who is born, is ultimately eternal life in the kingdom that is to come. We know that the kingdom is not going to come uh, you know, uh, just quietly, as some say, in like a secret rapture. The kingdom is going to come after a lot of tribulation and a time in which we are going to have to endure if we live long enough to see that kingdom come. Revelation chapter 2. Verse 26. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. So there is something in what we are doing in living a righteous life of heeding every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God and of keeping the commandments. And then when we see everything that is going wrong in the world, that there is an opportunity for each and every one to uh, have power over the nations, to correct it, to lead it. Right now, we're pretty powerless, it seems. But when that time comes, Christ said to him, will I give power over the nations? In verse 27, and he shall rule them, and this is Christ, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of uh, my father. So we see the destiny that we are born to rule, born to be a part of that kingdom of God until everyone is following the commandments of God and doing and living by the word of God.
Matthew chapter 7 now, again. Matthew 7. Verse 12. Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You know, that's, you know, the golden rule. You do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. But in verse 13, we see that it says for us to enter you in at the straight gate. That's the narrow gate. That's the gate that is so uh, narrow that no one really wants to go through it. Instead, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. And because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leads unto life, few there be that find it. So we have this gate, we have this narrow way, we have this narrow walk in which we have to sort of make up our minds that that's the direction that we want to take, and to squeeze through it gate because it's narrow but wide everyone is going through the wide gate and so we think well that's the easy way like sometimes whenever I go to a fast food uh, place if the line is really long and you know, to me that's a straight and narrow gate and and I don't have much patience so I, I turn around and go uh, another route or go somewhere else and sometimes it takes a lot of patience to have to endure what is ahead by entering in at the straight gate. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15. We know that as the resurrection chapter. Which is what we are called to. What we are born to arrive at. In verse 51. And we'll come back to this later on in this message. The Apostle Paul is writing in verse 51. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So these things have to do with being born again, of becoming a new creature in Christ. As I read earlier, Jesus Christ said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus asked, well, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into the womb and be born? It's a question that is as relevant today as it was at that time when Nicodemus first asked it. Christ came, we know, preaching a message, good news about a coming kingdom. He came preaching a message and saying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and saying repent and believe the gospel. So, in that, there is a call to repentance, a call to consider 
the gospel that is coming to this earth. Jesus said, I read this earlier in Matthew 19, 17, if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. The hope of every Christian is, you know, to go to heaven. That's, you know, that's their idea, and it's a, it's a good thing because even if you, don't, if you think you're going to heaven or if you're going to think you're going to have the kingdom on earth, it's still a good objective because it keeps you in line doing what the word of God says to do. But we know that the scriptures show that the kingdom will be a literal kingdom that is going to be here on the earth. So that truth is shown in scripture where the seventh angel sounded that I've already read in Revelation 11:15, where the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. And the God of heaven, it says, shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. So at that time, the saints of God will be given reign it says in uh, Revelation 5.10 that they will be given reign as kings and priests ruling with Jesus Christ on the earth. And judgment will be given them as it says in Daniel chapter 2 and they will possess the kingdom. So that kingdom, that's the kingdom that Christ was telling Nicodemus that he must be born into. Until then, God's saints must still strive to enter that narrow gate resist, resisting temptation and overcoming sin so that they may enter that eternal and the glorious life that is ahead. There is, I read somewhere, that there is a new birth concept that is popular among those who believe they are now born again. That belief teaches that with the new birth comes a right relationship with God, which is then explained as not doing good works or deeds, not being moral, not saying prayers, or observing any religious duties. And the reason being is that since Nicodemus had most of those qualities anyway, when Jesus told him he must be born again, that new birth concept falsely teaches that keeping the law is not necessary to being born again. So it's further reason that since the, the uh, thief on the cross was born again without those things, Therefore, the only thing people need to do to receive the new birth and be born again is just confess Jesus Christ as personal Savior. But that's not what Christ meant when he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Repentance and baptism does not mean one is born again at that time because as long as Christians remain flesh and blood, as long as they are human, they are still mortal and subject to committing sin. So Christians have yet, we have yet to inherit that born again state with spiritual, immortal bodies. But at conversion, they receive or we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that makes them children of God with a potential for eternal life. And as long as we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we will be born again. And that's just as, you know, a baby, an unborn baby that is still inside the womb in its mother's womb until it is born into the world. So the truly converted await that time when they are born into that coming kingdom of God. But in the meantime, Christians are still subject to spiritual miscarriage if they fall away. 
1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 25. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. So one of the things that as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we have to be temperate. We have to have balance in our life. Now, they uh, do it to obtain a corruptible crown talking about those that uh, run a race, like in, up in verse uh, 24, it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives a prize, so run that you may obtain. They run to obtain a corruptible crown, recognition with maybe a trophy or, or some award at the, at the finish. But we are racing to obtain an incorruptible crown. We may not come in first. Somebody may come, uh, come ahead of us. But that doesn't keep us from receiving that reward of eternal life, that incorruptible crown. So Paul says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beats the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So it takes that temperance. That uh, being temperate in everything that we do so that we aren't overwhelmed by things that uh, will distract us from the race. 1 Corinthians, uh, verse 27. I, can't, I read that one. So we see that Christ is the author and that he is the finisher of our faith. He's not going to forsake his people. He's not going to forsake you. And he is our high priest. We know that. God is just to forgive our, sin, our sins. Now, the thief on the cross was not born again because he had no time to live a, a new life with fruits that were meat for repentance or to grow in godly grace and knowledge. And neither could the thief have gone to heaven on that day before Christ because uh, Christ ascended sometime or 40 days after his crucifixion for the uh, thief to ascend before Christ would have put him into heaven before Jesus. In John chapter 5, verse 28, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So we see that there is that the thief that is dead in his grave waiting judgment just uh, as the same for all those who have died to this present time. But scripture says in Revelation 22:14, it says that blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. But he that overcomes the same shall be saved. Back to uh, John chapter 3. Christ spoke 
of a spiritual birth, a born-again spiritual state. And we see in verse 8 that he told Nicodemus, gave him a description of that spiritual state, saying, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And the present state of converted Christians is not at all like the invisible dynamic wind which Christ described in, in this born-again concept. Verse 6 there in, in John 3 says that that which is born of flesh is flesh. So we're born of flesh, so we're flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. When that born-again moment comes, when mortal Christians are changed into immortal spirit beings at the last trump, in the twinkling of an eye, when the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. That's all in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Many times we've read this, but 1 Corinthians 15 and beginning verse 34. It says for us to awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. But some men will say, well, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? You fool, you which soweth is not quickened except it die. And that which you sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain, it may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as it has pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from above. And you know, we are earthy because we live off of the things that grow in the dirt, that grow in the soil. We're earthy. But the second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. 
So, you know, this earthy state is going to go into what we've read before in, throughout some of these scriptures. There is a glory that is awaiting our birth into the uh, kingdom of God. Verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So, I read this earlier, but behold, I show you mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So how all this is to come about is a mystery. How is God going to raise people who have turned to dust, who no longer exist, maybe because uh, their bodies have been burned away or have become separated over time? How is God going to put life back into those uh, people that have, uh, that have died? It's a mystery. But in the moment, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So sometimes I think, uh, trying to picture this, uh, you've all seen, you know, Star Trek where uh, the transporter will beam down a, a captain and some others and they just, through all this uh, gadgetry, they, they just reappear. And then at the, also, they, you know, when they want to get off of the earth, go back to the ship, you know, they begin this little process of, the, uh, of their bodies just becoming invisible and going back. Sometimes, you know, I, that's what I use to picture how, how we are going to be changed. It is a glorious thing, but yet it is a mystery uh, that that is going to be. For this corruptible, verse uh, 53, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. How do we do that? How do we put on immortality throughout, this, throughout our living? So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. John chapter 3. Again. Again, verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Philippians chapter 3 now. In verse 20. Let's begin with verse 8. Philippians 3 verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them, but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, 
either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are uh, before. You know, the, the past becomes irrele irrelevant because once you are forgiven, once you have uh, been baptized and received the Holy Spirit, the past is no longer a part of you. We may remember it, and it may have an effect on our present, but we look ahead. Verse 14, so, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of this. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're, you know, we're warned against uh, having carnality. Verse 21, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the workings whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now naturally, a person will feel as though they are born again when they come out of the waters of baptism. They feel clean and fresh, uh, knowing their sins are washed away as they stand a new person, pure and forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. But Christians are still human, still a earthly flesh and blood creature, subject to temptation, still subject to uh, doing wrong and just uh, being lured by the downward pulls of our own human nature. So we're still mortal. But of this present state, we see that our body is just incorrupt is corruptible, subject to the decay, and, and not only of you know, physical decay, but also of moral decay. So we have to wait for that change that is to come. And until then, Christians are mortal. Not, we're not perfect. But then, when he returns, we will be born again, not as human, but as full spirit beings. So, what must we do to be born again? The scripture says in Matthew 24 that because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So when one repents, is baptized, and receives the Holy Spirit, there is, in a sense, a feeling of new birth. We become a new creature, forgiven, and saved by grace as long as 
we, number one, forsake our old ways and be led by the Spirit. In Romans 8, uh, verse 13, Romans 8, verse 13, For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So, you know, it's, it's a struggle trying to suppress the human nature of going the wrong direction. But it's a struggle. We have to mortify those deeds. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children than heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be, that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, and old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. The second thing is to live righteously. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 to 29. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that does righteousness is born of him. In 1 John 5, verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself and that wicked one touches him not. The third thing is to overcome. 1 John 5, chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. If we love God, we'll keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now, who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 5. Uh, and No, Revelation chapter 21 now. Verse, verse 6. I'm almost done. Revelation 21, 6 through 8. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. You know, when you hear the word inherit, you know you're about to get something that is going to be very rewarding it's going to be rich it's going to be uh, wealthy it's going to be something that you know is going to make you very glorious and so uh, this is what is you know before us now uh, an inheritance verse 8 but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, unless they repent and change. 
verse, drop down to verse 17. Oh, don't drop down to 17. I don't know how that got there. But we are a new creature, conceived by the Holy Spirit, by the laying on of hands, and we're still growing in grace and in knowledge. And like I said, we're not perfect yet. And that uh, glorious time will come when Christ returns. The fourth thing is to have brotherly love. 1 John 4, verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8, He that love doesn't love or uh, loveth not, knoweth not, or doesn't know God, for God is love. Again, as Jesus said to Nicodemus in uh, John 3, 8, the wind blows where it lists, and you hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell uh, whence it comes and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. We cannot see the wind, but we can see its powerful effects. You know, like after a storm, you see where the wind has blown a tree over or, or the roof off of the building. But in the same way, one who is conceived of God and given the Holy Spirit will have a righteous effect in producing the fruits of the Spirit in their life. It's like love. There's uh, the lyrics to a song. Uh, can't see it with your eyes. Can't hold it in your hand. But like the wind, it covers our land. Strong enough to rule the heart of any man this thing called love. It can lift you up. It can bring you down. Take your world and spin it all around. Ever since time, nothing's ever been found stronger than love. And I think that was uh, uh, maybe Jimmy Dean or someone who sang that. Uh, I used to listen to it, heard it oh, back in 1888, I think it was. Some of you probably don't know what song I'm talking about, but but uh, it's like love. It's, love is a power. You don't see it, but you can see its effect. Now, Christ said that you are the light of the world, that you are the salt of the earth. Let your light shine so that you may glorify the Father in heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says... But as it is written, I has not seen or ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Lord, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can they know them because they are spiritually discerned. So the full reward of being born again is yet to come. It's at the end of our journey in life when in the twinkling of an eye we are born into the kingdom of heaven. 
So eternal life is yet to come. And also the glory and the immortality that comes with, with it. And a crown of life and a new name or a new honor. And rulership with Jesus Christ and power over the nations. And be clothed in white raiment. In closing, let's, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we, shall, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. So this is what Jesus gave Nicodemus to think about. And what he desires in everyone who draws the breath of life to come to understand that the ultimate purpose in life is as he told Nicodemus, you must be born again.